0: if i'm not clear coming into order if i'm even just the littlest bit foggy i pass on that fog mm-hmm. i pass on that cloud of confusion if i don't know if i'm not clear on what my core offer and my core transformation looks like how can they be clear how can my clients be clear
1: you're listening to the visionary ceo podcast a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond and now, your hosts Brienne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So, Jill, before we get into today's episode, I kind of have a bone to pick—not with you,
0: but with the weather gods. <laughs> I know where this one's going.
1: Yeah, because like I have been waiting what 18 months for softball season to start back up. There was that whole pandemic thing that happened. And about 10 days ago, we get the word, yes, we're gonna be able to do a shortened season. So we're like, okay, none of us have played in 18 months, we better get some practice in. Now it has been gorgeous weather for the last two weeks, almost too hot, I'd say. Sunday morning hits and it's raining. And -hmm. when do we have ball practice? Sunday morning. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you came home a little wet.
1: Yeah, we, we tough it out, it's all good. Then it's beautiful again. It's a beautiful Monday. It's a beautiful Tuesday. Jill, what happened on Wednesday when I had another ball practice Wednesday night?
0: It got cold and well, I rather I should <laughs> say cool and windy and a little bit of drizzle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so the first game is it's now Friday we're recording this and I've got our first game, a doubleheader tonight. I am looking outside the window and I do see a little bit of blue sky. I will say that. But The whole like rain in the forecast thing, I'm really tired of having beautiful weather every day, except when I'm supposed to be playing ball. So if you can like, I don't know, put in a request to the management or something around this, I clearly don't have that power, but maybe you do.
0: Yeah, see, it never worked for me either when I was showing in horseback riding land. Like there were certain ones that you could pretty much count on would be sunny, but most of the time it would be rain. I remember one in particular every September we were in muck. Yeah. Okay. so So, it's just sports uh, maybe in general.
1: I don't know. Those of you who are listening, if if you know why uh, ball games seem to always happen in the rain, you can let us know. I can't believe that we've done essentially a whole nother season.
0: Oh no, I can't either. And and the fact that we are recording episode 10 is just kind of like blowing my mind right now.
1: To be honest, when we started recording this season, I had an idea of how I thought it was going to go. We knew we were gonna do case studies. We knew we were gonna talk about team and time and giving yourself a promotion, but I didn't really expect as we went through to see really how interwoven all of those conversations Mm -hmm. ended up being. I want to talk a little bit about that and then we can go into the main part of the episode, which is talking about how those things connect. But I'm just curious for you, as you reflect back on the first nine episodes of this second season, what were the ideas or the themes that, jumped out at you as you reflect on the season
0: one of the big things that came up for me as i was going through my notes and thinking about all the interviews that we had was this one piece that i think almost everyone said in some fashion and it was about how uh, i'm going to actually co-join two pieces because to me they're intrinsically linked and we can talk about them separately but you get the idea here one of is empowering team right mm-hmm but more importantly, it's about creating the space for the team to be empowered, creating the space to allow for them to succeed, creating the space for them to do and creating the space for you to do. We talked about time, we talked about team, we talked about promotion, and it came up every single time in one variation or another.
1: Yeah, as you're talking about it, I think the connection between empowering your team and and that sort of thing, that's really clear when we're thinking about team and the idea of creating space for your team to be empowered. I think that's really clear when you talk about giving yourself a promotion. But what's so interesting for me was how those themes came up so clearly, even when we were talking about the thing about time. We heard Keela talking about how she was able to get her time back But in order to do that, she had to consciously create space. She had to consciously stop spending things on things that didn't matter. And in doing so, she was empowering her team and creating space for them.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting actually. I've got a quote from her, it was on one of the quote cards, but about being intentional and that you can't wait for your business to make time for you because it's always gonna need something, right? Creating, by being intentional and creating that space, intentionally and doing that, empowering your team to help you do that, like it all just It's one big mushed ball together in a beautiful form.
1: I remember Jenny, when we were talking with her, talking about the intentionality of bringing team members in Mm -hmm. and being explicit about saying, how do you see that we can make this better? What are your ideas? And Autumn said the same thing, right? That intentionality in terms of how you work with your team to be able to have them spend the time doing those things. and than you not doing those things as a result.
0: You actually taking that step back and I think you said it really back early in the season about giving ownership to a team member actually being a process of taking ownership of part of the result, part of their result. Mm -hmm. right? That's you stepping back and taking ownership of that result rather than the actual doing of yeah. work.
1: As I'm thinking about all of these things and how they intertwine and they intersect with each other, what comes up for me is, you've said it, I've said it, I think a number of times, that we all have the same number of hours. Mm-hmm. There's what, uh, 168 hours in a week or something like that. We all have the same 168 hours in the week. And what I hear so often from business owners especially the ones who, you know, they're coming to us and they're working too much. And they're like, I don't know how my business can scale. I don't have enough time. I'm overwhelmed. What I hear them say is if I only had more time. Mm -hmm. But the truth is like Richard Branson, you know, who's got the whole virgin company's airline and music and like he's doing so many things. He has the same 168 hours available to him that you do in in your business. Mm -hmm. And... So the question for me really isn't about time and it's not really about team and it's not even really about promoting yourself. It's about that intentionality. Mm -hmm. And it's about how you're going to
0: choose to spend that time. Yeah, exactly. Like you can choose to spend that time doing, being down in the weeds and fighting the fires and doing the work that in some cases, yeah, it, it got you to where you are. But there comes a point in time where you have to choose to take that step back and focus on more different, those kinds of things.
1: I think what comes up for me as I think about all of this and all of the conversations was how you can choose to spend your time on hiring, on building systems, on training your team members. You could say, you know, I'm going to set aside three or four or five hours a week and I'm going to do those things. but unless you also have the right structure in place doing those activities doesn't actually free you up and that's that's what keila talked about and that's so much of what we talked about in season one which is how do you put that structure in place so that you can achieve the results of team and time and promoting yourself
0: i i can almost imagine i can almost hear for some of you going yeah but you're talking about creating space how will structure create space and it's it's because it's creating this foundation. The whole point of structure is to have something that you can lean on, that you can lean against, and that you can come back to time and time again. Because Mm -hmm. what we're asking you to do, we're asking you to change your habits. We're asking your team to change their habits. And structure is the very best way, one of the best ways, I should say, to facilitate that kind of change.
1: You know, I remember reading, Gosh, I can't even remember what book it was, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, maybe. And he talks about how habits come when we have a trigger. We have a trigger, and then there's a behavior, and then there's a reward. And if you want to have a new habit, you need to look at the habit as it relates to the trigger. What's the thing that triggers that habit? And that's where I think if we look at the actual structures, results, and team, and profit and how they intersect and how they fit with each other, I think you can start to see how those structures are actually what create the changes for team and time and their promotion.
0: So let's actually do that. Let's go through the very same process that we took you through in season one, but let's look at it from that structure and the problems of team time and promoting yourself and what that looks like and how those facilitate that growth and that change.
1: And uh, to me, it all starts with that very first piece, which is what results are we trying to achieve? So often, what we find is that over time, as things have evolved, we've gotten better at what we do, we know our customers better than ever, and we've never stopped to ask, are we actually delivering what our clients need to get that result. And so on a very base level, I don't know how many people they go through the process of working with us. And they're like, Oh, yeah, like I was doing so many things. And I looked at was like, why are we even doing that? We're spending so much time on this. And it's not providing value to the customers at all.
0: For me, that always intrinsically works itself into this whole, I have to be bespoke thing that so many people Mm -hmm. come to us with this intention of, if it's not bespoke, it's not good enough. And as such, when you're creating something bespoke, you're creating a lot of time pressure. You're creating a lot of team pressure. You're creating a lot of you being down in the weeds Mm -hmm. because you're constantly recreating the wheel
1: even for businesses that maybe agencies are the ones that tend to do a lot of custom a lot of proposal work but even for coaching businesses i can Mm -hmm. think of a number of the coaches that we've worked with and they often have okay guilty been there (laughs) of having like five versions of the same tool or doing the same activity with clients in five different ways and in some ways it's yeah it's awesome because depending on the exact situation that the client's in, I can choose the exact right version of the tool or, you know, oh, I'm going to take this tool, but then maybe we'll tweak a little bit. But that becomes, number one, a time sink. But number two, there's no way that a team can start to deliver and take ownership over that client relationship if there's so much variability. I mean, if you can't even keep track of all the stuff you've created, how do you expect your team to be able to do it?
0: Yeah, exactly. I can actually think of one specific example where we had a coach who and I totally get where she was coming from. Her her point was that all of my coaching clients come to me with different problems. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all the same. The audience is all the same, but they come to me with different problems. They're at different stages of their transformation. They're at different stages of their journey. So it has to all be different her transformation was going through and learning that it didn't have to be and that way she could just take everything that was in her brain and pull it out and no longer did her team have to guess or wait for her to drive where this engagement was going. They could Mm -hmm. just know day to day where any client was. the process
1: and that is so powerful because that's when you get to promote yourself because you don't have to be the one driving the client engagement you have to be the one instead that is facilitating and leading but your team can take ownership over that result and that's at the macro scale right that's at kind of like what is your offer what is the transformation but that is just as true if not more true when we talk about what we call the value map which is as you might recall from season one that's super detailed looking <laughs> at every little bit of what it is that you do and that your clients do and how that exchange of value works in practice
0: yeah for me the value map and the color coding that happens with it is actually one of the best tools to really start looking at how you can empower your team because not only are you talking and looking at what the color coding, right, that's the value to the client, the value to the business, but you're also looking at value to the business, not just from a perspective of profit, like there's that, but also of who's the best able to do this. Who can I actually empower to take this? Who's actually better at doing this? There are people that are better Mm -hmm. than me at doing text-based support and Mm text-based coaching. I am a face-to-face person. I like I can do text-based coaching, not a problem, but it's not my zone of genius.
1: And what is so interesting about that is that, in turn, drives profitability.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly, when you right? get
1: when you get people working in their zone of genius, they're more effective, they're more efficient, they enjoy their work more, which makes them more productive. It's just more fun, right?
0: Like I, I recall Autumn in her interview. And talking about how she took her list to the team and said, "How can this is what I think we can do it better?" And they're like, "Well, can we do it this way instead?" And she's like, "Wow, that's so much better, right? Yeah. That we can even just let them take that space and take that, and it'll just multiply."
1: Yeah, that's why one of my favorite things is when people come to the academy and they do this value map and they do this color coding, and they engage their team in the process, right? And it's like, I don't know the details of this process. You guys have a different view on it. And so they get in there and they start to realize, hey, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of moving pieces. Let's optimize all of it instead mm-hmm. of just what I'm aware of. And in fact, I might not be the best person to know how to optimize all of it, which leads us into the high value hybrid, which is the, the third step in the process that we talked about.
0: Well, I have to say, I'm actually rather surprised you you give me first crack at this one because I know this happens to be one of your favorite <laughs> pieces of the whole academy puzzle. But with the high value hybrid, keep in mind, the whole process of going through the high value hybrid is looking at you know how you can do things differently, how you drop it, how you adjust, how you can make things better than even where they are right now. And the whole idea of just the 80-20 rule comes into play for me here, right? What is giving you 80% of the results from 20% of the effort? Like right there, there's Uh time. Right there, there's empowering your team. Right there, there's promoting yourself by taking yourself out of the weeds because that's the whole point of looking at that high value hybrid and finding the balance between the levers of bespoke and DIY
1: Or like leverage in groups or any of these variations that you might come up with. And I think what's really important is when you listen to Keela or Autumn or even Jenny to extent, when you listen to them talk about how they evolved their delivery through the high value hybrid and how they put these elements in place... It sounded like it was one thing, right? Like we really we did the value map when we realized all of these things (laughs) that weren't working, and then we fixed them. Yeah, no. And at the same time. I don't know that you get the same results when you do those two things together because, you know, again, I'm thinking of some of the clients who are going through the academy right now and they're doing the thing that everyone does. They're going through their value map and they are be like, "Ooh, I could change this mm-hmm. and this and this and this. And I keep saying to them, like, hold on, like, just do the value map and then look at how to do it differently because if you try and combine them, you're going to miss so many opportunities to be able to figure out what's actually going on. And that means that you're going to miss opportunities to do things differently or to empower your team.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like We were just talking about with the value map itself, going to your team and, and getting all the details that you might not even know. There can be things that your team is doing that you don't even know they're doing because they're just doing it. And as such, you're not able to properly articulate that. And if you're going through and presuming that you know it and start making changes right away, you won't see that gap. Yeah. And so for me, that really leads itself actually really well into the next piece, which is looking at the product ops team and ownership. Brianne, I actually wanna throw this one for you and ask you, Mm -hmm. put you on the hot seat. What is product ops team and ownership? How does that reflect and give us all of these pieces that we've been talking about with regards to team and time and promoting yourself?
1: Well, I kind of feel like it should be self-obvious. It should be self-evident. You know, How does empowering your team help empower your team? And how does getting other people on your team to take ownership for you up so (laughs) I mean in some ways it's obvious but I think there is nuances to it in terms of how you go about it and one of the big things that again we see people so often do when they try to do this on their own is they go straight from okay here's my value map to here's how we're gonna do it differently with the high-value hybrid to okay now I need to just start getting my team To do these things and i'm just going to start assigning out the tasks i've got my value map which is essentially a big long list of tasks and so i'm just going to change who does the tasks Mm -hmm. and what is so important and what we heard time and time again this season is that it's not about the tasks the tasks are just a tool we use to reveal as you said earlier what is the result What is the purpose? What is the job number one? Why are these tasks even happening? So that then I can say to a team member, hey, you own this result, you own this outcome, you're responsible for making sure it happens.
0: And I think a key thing here to remember and recognize is that this isn't an instantaneous transition. It's not like you're going to turn around and tomorrow you're going to hand over responsibility for all of these things to your team, Mm -hmm. right? Beside the point that you might not have everyone you need on your team there to hand them over to, for yourself as a human being, it is extremely hard for us to let go of control, to let go of our old (laughs) habits, to take that step back, right?
1: Didn't Autumn say that she she noticed herself like trying to just jump in and she was answering the emails and she had gone and she'd answered an email and then she did a second one, she got to the third one before she realized like, oh wait, that's not my job yeah. anymore. I thought that was so good. yeah
0: And all of this really steps itself, obviously, it makes sense into the next stage, which is looking at the visionary pyramid. Because once you've got the job descriptions, part of that whole process is looking at the pyramid and saying, okay, what level are all of these at? What decisions? Mm-hmm are they responsible for making, right? That coming back to that responsibility, right? If you can actually articulate which decision it is that they need to make, what kind of decision they need to make on a day-to-day basis, that allows you to take the step back, to grant that ownership, to empower them, and then to promote yourself further up the pyramid as you go.
1: And that is, so key because we are so locked into the task level, which is the helper and implementer level of the pyramid. And it's so easy because that's where we've been focusing our time. We've been building this business, we've been doing the things. And in order for us to be able to spend our time as a visionary, to promote ourselves in that role, and it's You can't go from being in the weeds to being a visionary if you don't have those other levels of the pyramid in place.
0: If you don't have the other levels of the pyramid in place and if you don't have the structure of a sharp culture to rely on to help guide those decisions.
1: All right, so now just in case it's been a little while since someone listened to season one, I'm gonna remind them of what a SHARP culture means. So SHARP is an acronym and it stands for strategic communication, hiring, assessment, reward, and progression. And the idea is that if you put in place cultural systems and practices around those five things, you will have a team that is able to carry out your vision without you needing to be in there doing all the things and telling them how to do it and all of that. And one of maybe, let's say, the first things out of all of that that you need to put in place for time, for team, for promoting yourself is, in my opinion, no doubt, it's gotta be the communications rhythm.
0: Yeah, I figured you'd say that one. I'm not that far off on it either. For me, it's the communication rhythms, but it's also about the results. Right. For me those two are very tied together and I I think this kind of goes back to our my one of my favorite stories we told it back in season 1 about terminology and yep. the clarity behind terminology, right? The communications rhythm is about being able to communicate the clarity of the results that you're wanting to achieve. So for me they're they're kind of intrinsically linked.
1: That's the I think, key thing about how strategic communication and the communication rhythm isn't just top-down, right? It's not about communicating the vision to the strategy, to the plans, to the execution, and making sure that it's like this top-down dictatorial, I will tell you what to do and how to do it. It's also the communication up, right? Jenny talked about it. Autumn talked about it. Keela talked about how every time they, people often get confused about like, how do I empower my team? and what those three ladies said was I asked them Mm -hmm. like I explicitly said what do you think how do you think we should do this and talk about creating space literally just asking makes so much of a difference
0: yeah and the key thing here is right they started creating space which means now that they're creating a culture about creating space which then leads their team to start creating the space for themselves yeah. I've heard stories from many clients, even the, some of the ladies that have we interviewed about where after they've started to create that space, after they've started to ask those questions, the team has actually proactively approached them with mm-hmm. things. There was one in particular I'm thinking of here where you had told about Autumn's story with doing the emails and recognizing that she had been doing something that wasn't on her responsibility list anymore. I've actually had people come to me and say, my team member actually came to me and told me I'm not supposed to be doing this anymore.
1: I've had that experience. Yeah. Mm. I've had people come and tell me I'm not supposed to be doing that because that's not my job anymore. Mm. But yes. Our clients yeah. do as well. That's
0: part of that communication going back up the pyramid too, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about communicating down the pieces that need to be communicated. It's not just about communicating down the quarterly plan or the result that needs to happen or all of those things. It's about feeding it back up. And again, creating the space and empowering the team to communicate back up the chain and know that they are going to be listened to and heard. Yeah,
1: I think what's so interesting when we look at the the scope of all of this, starting from the core offer and then all the way through to the culture piece that we were talking about here is how important it is that you do these things in this order. Mm-hmm. And what I so often see is people want to jump straight to the team or they want to jump straight to especially hiring, right? Hiring is the H in the sharp culture. So they want to skip even over the strategic communications part and they want to go straight to hiring, never mind the core offer and the value map and all of that. But What really has jumped out at me, even just in this conversation, is how these are all building blocks Mm -hmm. and how if you skip any of these steps or you do them out of order or you don't give them the time and attention they need, you don't have the time and space to do the other steps well. Because I'd rather you take that time and actually go through this process figuring out the core offer, the core transformation, the value map, the high value hybrid, the team structure, the visionary pyramid, the culture, like spend your time doing that, because then when you do hire or you do go to empower your team, you'll actually get the results you're looking for.
0: Yeah. And not only that, you'll start to find the people that really resonate with the culture Mm -hmm. that you have created.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of a client here who just this morning said, I can see such a difference Mm -hmm. between the people that we hired after doing this work as compared to the people that were on the team before in terms of how they're showing up, what they're doing, the responsibility they're taking. And you know what, it's our show. I can put in a plug, right? (laughs) This is why the Academy exists. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do this work, you're not going to get the result. And that's why we do this, because we know that, and that's that's literally why we created the Academy.
0: Yeah, quite, because this is one of the biggest pieces. And for me, I don't know, I've always been the kind of person that wants to have clarity and understanding before I bring other people into the picture because then I can bring them in and they can have the same clarity and understanding that I do. If I'm not clear coming into order, if I'm even just the littlest bit foggy, I pass on that fog. Mm -hmm. I pass on that cloud of confusion. If I don't know, if I'm not clear on what my core offer and my core transformation looks like, how can they be clear? How can Mm -hmm. my clients be clear? Yeah. And so for me, that's the biggest piece out of all of this and why I find the academy work so powerful in and of itself is that ability to be clear to get that full understanding now don't get me wrong i am i will i am the self-admitted queen of context here but that ability to take that step back and have that full clear understanding of what it is you do how you do it what value it provides what team you need to accomplish it and what culture you need underneath to support it, that's worth its weight in gold.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if if you're just new to the podcast and you haven't listened to season one, definitely recommend that you go check that out because we lay out in great detail <laughs> what each of those steps of the process looks like. And whether you've listened to that or not, if you want to hit fast forward on the whole process, I do want to encourage you to come to our website, check us out, you know, look us up on social media, and let's talk about how we can help you put this stuff in practice in the right order, in the right way, so that you can get those results and have the time and the team and the promotion that you really want for yourself.
0: All right. I think that's a wrap for season two.
1: I think we did it. Yep. I don't want to like applaud because I might blow out the mic, but <laughs> Let's we not made do it. do that. <laughs> so season three is going to be coming up in a few weeks. And I don't know. Do we want to spoilers? Maybe a teeny tiny one. All right. What is it? What is Andre Andres Chaperone says you need to leave an open loop so that people are hungry and they're waiting for the next <laughs> thing. All right. So in season three, we're going to be continuing this conversation and we're going to be looking at a lot of the mistakes that people make as they try to scale their business. Maybe some mistakes that you've made. And we're going to talk about how to fix those things so that you can scale successfully and reach those goals that you have for yourself and your business.
0: All right. And so with that, I think it's time to say goodbye to everyone. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you soon. In season three. See you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to
1: the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a podcast taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy.
0: Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself, scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.